0: to share something with you that kind of has been born out of my own struggle with the topic, um, and I pray that it will help you. I don't I don't know if I'm going to get through all of the notes. Um, there's a lot, and I, I, I say that because God is really, I, I'm encouraged when there's a lot of scripture to back up something that I'm being shown in the Word, because it means there's, I can stand firm on that thing. I can stand firm on that truth. And so that can often mean it's hard to receive and digest in one sitting. Um, and and frankly, this is many, many sittings of, of listening and, and reading and writing and, and pulling from Scripture. So I, I pray that God will take out what you need and let your own soul be fed with the Word. And then what you can't receive tonight that it would be a seed planted that would grow over time and revelation would come to, your, to you for yourself. So I want to I talk to you tonight a little bit about the process of transformation. The process of transformation. And when I say transformation, I mean personal transformation for you. Um... I love to grow as a person. Um, it's something that I feel like it's been there for me for a long time. And at times it's great. At times it's frustrating because I just want to sit still and not learn anything else. It's like, a, But growing and personal growth, I think, is a wonderful thing. I do think it... The world misapplies it and, and focuses people in the wrong direction when it comes to personal growth. Um, and I believe that you got to go back to the Word to find out how you can grow and, and transform uh, as a person. And frankly, I don't like the process. <laughs> I don't like the process that I find. Uh, I like the end result but I don't like the process. Um, But I I do feel like, and and we'll see, I hear preachers say this all the time, I feel like it's going to be positive. You know, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of good stuff in here. Um, We'll see where it goes. But I'm going to stick with the terms transformation, and you could insert growth here too, but for the sake of the scriptures that I'm going to focus on, I think that's the most appropriate word. Um, And so there's going to be a good mix of scripture, Um, that I'll put in here. So if if there's somebody up on the screen tonight, uh, all my references are in the New King James Version. Um, I know it's very close to the King James, but if you pull open your King James and you look, you're going to think, is is he reading the right scripture? Um, So I'll be pulling from the New King James. But I want to start, uh, kind of launch out from Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 29, and we'll go from there. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says y'all could probably quote it with me and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are the called according to his purpose verse 29 for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the first among many brethren. And I want to kind of focus in on the, the part of the second verse there. He, he has predestined us. He has predestined us to be conformed to his image. Thank you, Nathaniel. You can, you can take a break. I'll give your break. We have a predestination when it comes to where we are supposed to end up as individuals. If we will follow the process that God has laid out for us. And that predestination is to look like Him. That's our goal. That is my ultimate goal in this life for myself personally. And again, I'm going to focus on the personal side. I know... There's the kingdom and, and souls and all those things, and this is not at odds or, or you know, one or the other. I'm going to focus in on the personal side. So if I emphasize things, that's the context. Looking like Jesus should be my number one goal in this life, becoming like him. When all is said and done, when we end our journey here, our, we should be able to look back and say, I, as much as I could, followed the process to look like Jesus, and his work has been complete in my life. That work is completed. Now, when I see this, I, my brain goes to, and my, son is, my oldest son is like this, I'm learning this, it's kind of funny, so he comes by it honestly. I like to know how things work. I like to figure out, not only tell me what is or what will be, but how does it work? What are the mechanics? What are the things that make it, what are the steps? How does it work? Um, and so when I think about this process, I began to wonder, well, how does that work? Okay, I need, to, I need to look like Jesus when I die or when I leave this earth. Awesome. Now let's back that out. How does that work? What's the process? How do I live that out in daily life? Um, And that's where this this really starts, but you have to begin, they say, begin with the end in mind. My goal is to look like him. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 2, it says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's one of my, becoming one of my favorite verses in Scripture right there because there's so much hope in that. There's so much hope in understanding it's not been revealed yet. I don't see the full picture. I don't see all of this coming together yet, but I can be confident that when He is revealed, I will be like Him because I will see Him clearly as He is. There is so much hope in that for me because I want to be like him in every area of my life. I want to look like Jesus in every area of my life. And that destination is the same for all of us. That that predestination applies to everyone in this room. Everyone. Our destination is the same the path we take, the process we go through will be very different. Every single person's path will be different. Everybody. And I'm not talking salvation. Pastor's mentioned that many times. This is not salvation. This is your process to becoming like Jesus. The process that you will go through for yourself will be unique to you. The trials you face, the situations you deal with, the relationships you have or don't, all of that is specific to you, and you can't look at anybody else's path, anybody else's process as your template. You can pull things from different people, and you can learn. We learn things from each other all the time, but if you use somebody else's process as your gauge, you're using the wrong gauge. You're looking to the wrong standard. Your process will be very different. But the hope is that I will look like Jesus. I will look like Jesus. Brother Zach Mislanik will look like Jesus when he's done. Brother Andrew Prasad in the back, right? He'll look like Jesus when he's done. I, we all will look like Jesus if we follow our process. We will. Paul, you will. You'll look like Jesus. But don't follow my path. Don't follow, try to step into my path and... and and live my life. There's no one else that can live my life but me. I'm the only one that can live my life and walk my path. Period. And if we get caught up in other people's, observing other people's paths, we'll get off track. And we'll get out of the, our own process. And we'll miss out on what God wants to do in our life. So there is a process. Um, I got to say, I think this clicked for me. God had already been kind of dealing with me about this idea of a process. And... I don't remember when pastor preached it. Everything blurs together. I just remember he preached it. He talked about um, sanctification. And he began to talk about sanctification. I began to look at the scriptures and I thought, oh, that's the process. Sanctification. That's the process. And I was so... It just, and the more I began to study sanctification, the more I realized, wow, that, that really is the process of becoming like Jesus. Cool, now I need to study sanctification. <laughs> How does that work? What is that? What is sanctification? I mean, what do you think of when you think of thanks, sanctification? I mean, I didn't really have a good, like, oh yeah, no. Remember yesterday I was thinking about sanctification? Yeah, I remember. I, I used that yesterday. I was just talking with somebody at work about sanctification. No, you weren't. It, no, it doesn't, what is sanctification? Um, so I, w- I want to help explain what, I've, what I found in Scripture as, as the process. Um, and if you study this, and there's no way that this is going to cover all of it, but if you start to study sanctification, you start to realize this is the process that God takes us through to transform us to be more like him. So I want to take you to First Thessalonians chapter four verses three four verses three through four. And you'll find the word sanctification is used twice in this passage. Chapter verse three says, For this is the will of God. I pay attention when I hear that. Okay. I want to know the will of God. What is my what is the will of God? Your sanctification. Cool. Then he says, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. All right, now we're getting somewhere. So I began to look up the word sanctification and what it means. I'm not going to try to say the Greek word. I usually try, but I'm not going to with these couple. Um, The word sanctification means properly purification, the state of purity, holiness, consecration, or the effect of consecration, being sanctified of heart and life. Now, again, I, I've, I've grown up here um, all 35 wonderful years um, I've been at Antioch. Whenever he pastor says, like, who's been here for 30 years plus? And I'm like, I mean, I... I have. I, I don't remember all maybe 30 years, but I, I've been here a while. Anyway, that's. I always, I always laugh at myself when I stand up with everybody else that's also been here for 30 years, but I'm maybe one of the youngest people standing. Um, but I've been here all my life. I've, I've heard a lot of teaching, and, and I've heard a lot about holiness, and I've heard a lot of good teaching about holiness. Um, and there's a lot that I understand about holiness. But when I began to look at, the, at sanctification and see the word holiness there, I remembered... I think it was Bishop that shared this, um, and again, just remember things that were said that justification is the process, righteousness is the result right anybody, anybody heard that heard that said before well then also heard that well sanctification is the process, and holiness is the result interesting so what so holiness purification sanctification what what is what does that mean? Again, how does it work? Um, and this is what I feel like God gave me as, as the definition as I began to study this. And I want you to w- prove this in Scripture as you will, but, uh, but kind of listen to this. Sanctification, I believe, is the process by which we are purified inwardly and set apart to God. It is also the process by which we are conformed to His image and after His likeness. So sanctification is purification inwardly. We are set apart, right? When we are purchased with His blood, we are set apart as, as precious to Him. We are consecrated. We are separated. But we are not pure. You may be washed and clean, but you're who you are, the, the inward man... There is the seeds of, of that new creature, but you are not yet like him in all things. And we'll talk about that. You're not. Your character, your, your attitudes, your behaviors, the way you talk, the way that you live, you're not like Christ in the perfect sense. Like, you're not there. You, the seeds are there. The spirit is there, but you're not there. And so we, have to, we are set apart, but we also now must be purified. And that purification for us is inward. And we'll talk about, you may get to this later, but when we get to heaven, our physical bodies will be transformed. We will get new bodies. We will get glorified bodies. And so when, when the rapture takes place and we go to heaven, that's when the completion of outward, inward transformation and outward transformation merge, and we are now completely new in every way right we will get new physical bodies but until then you and i are stuck in the ones we got whether you like it or not you're stuck with the one you got and the way that it is but inwardly you're not stuck with what you got you have the opportunity for change for purification for transformation and so this process we start we are set apart but we are not purified I thought of this, again, I think a lot of analogies and think about this stuff, and I chuckle. But when I think about this, think of dirty dishes. You pull a dish, you maybe set a bowl on the counter. It's set apart. It ain't clean. It ain't clean yet. It's set apart, but it's not clean. I know that's very trivial and not as deep as Scripture, but that dish has to go through a cleaning process before it is now set apart and clean and purified and so we must we are set apart but we are not yet purified inwardly completely and so being holy becoming holy is about the continued pursuit of becoming like him in every way it includes a directional facing right when we repent we're going towards god it includes a progressively getting closer to him and as we get closer to him and we look Towards him we become more like him, in that process, and we'll talk about that. There's scripture for that. But but again, uh, this is if you if nothing else, I I'm going to have a blast teaching this tonight because this is has been such a fun topic for me um, to learn about. So hang with me. I'm, I might get excited here. Um, the Bible knowledge commentary talks about this this verse, and I, I love I use commentaries for two reasons, and not defending, my, not defending myself, but I think it's, in, for. I always wonder, like, what's commentaries for? I use it for two reasons. One, to find factual information about things in the Bible, historical facts, whatever. I want factual information that I can take and then do something with, that I may not have from scripture. Um, but there's also another, another thing that I may f- read a verse, study a verse, try to pick apart a verse, and I feel like I know what it's saying, but then I read something and I'm like, oh, they captured it. Like, that is exactly how I feel. They just put it into words. That's what I'm seeing. That's what I'm feeling. They just put it into words. You ever felt that way? Like, maybe outside of Scripture, like, man, they just said it exactly how I was feeling it. I couldn't put it into words, but that's exactly how I feel. Right? That's how I feel with with certain things in commentaries. When it sticks out to me like that, I'm like, yes! Thank you! I'm going to copy that, paste that into my notes. I can use that. So, that's how I feel about this next part, because Bible knowledge commentary... Um, says this, and I think this is kind going to carry through the rest of the, the lesson tonight. He said, it says, um, Paul probably had in mind the progressive sanctification of his readers by which they were conformed to the image of Christ in daily experiences by proper responses to the Word and the Spirit of God. Daily, and this is the part that struck me so much, daily experiences by proper responses to the word and the spirit of God. That brings it down so close to home for me because how we are transformed and we are conformed to his image is day by day by day by day by day. Every single day is an opportunity to become more like him. And part of how we do that, the, I believe the primary way that we do that is what is captured here, proper responses to the word and the spirit of God. The obedience to follow what you find in his word and through the quickening of his spirit that brings it to your mind. You learned it. It's now in your mind and heart. You obey it. You follow it, you become more like Him every single day. And if you stay in that process and you continually put yourself in a position to properly respond to the Word and the Spirit of God, you will be transformed. You will become like Him. Um, I, I'm I going to... I don't know. I'm, I'm going to share this and I will... If pastor says differently, then I will seriously um, it's something I have studied for a while, and i it's my own personal feelings on the the idea of the image of God because like, I wonder what the image of God is, what is the image of God how do i what's what's his image right what's his likeness um, and from what i I feel like I have found in scripture again this this may be a answer, but I believe his image is his word because the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. And His Word, it, you learn His Word. His Word gets inside of you. His Word transforms you and you become more like Christ. So I believe, again, that there could be more to it than that. I believe that's a, that's a big part of it because His Word it always comes back to His Word. It always comes back to His Word. And we are to obey His Word, let His Word get inside of us, and we are to look more like Him and more, more like this word. And there's a, um, let me see if I can pull if I have it here in my notes. I'm going to flip to. Let's go to James. Let's go to James. Somewhere in James, if I can find it. Here we go. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 21. I'm not going to stay here long, but I I just want to share this passage with you. It says, therefore, James chapter 1, verse 21, the New King James. It says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls, but be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. There's To me, this passage it is so critical because it's talking about the Word and how much time you spend in the Word. Have you, ever, have you ever gone to your bathroom mirror? Everybody has. You look in the mirror, you check your hair really quick, you know, whatever, and you, and you walk away um, and then find out later that, oh, I had a stain on my shirt and I just didn't see it. Or... Oh, my shirt was ripped. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't see that. But if you had looked in the mirror a little bit longer and you paid closer attention, you actually would have seen what you missed. And the only difference was how long you looked in that mirror. That's it. How long you looked, how much attention you paid when looking in that mirror to really see what's going on. And the Word is our mirror. The Word is what we look into Because it does a couple of things. One, it shows us who he is, right? It reveals to us who God is. His word. He is his word. His word is him. His word reveals who he is to us. But it does another thing. It shows us who we are. It reveals to us who we are, and we see the gap. (laughs) We see the gap, the difference, and many people look in the mirror of the word, they see, who them, they see God, they see themselves, and they walk away. I don't want to see that. I don't want to think about it. I'm going to forget all about it. They are hearers of the word, but they're not doers of the word. You hear the word, mm, not for me. I'm not going to let that word become implanted. Because it's the implanted word, verse 21, that's able to save your souls. And so when you begin to look into the word of God and see his image and yours and the gap between the two, that's when the real work starts. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do when you're faced with your own humanity? That's a tough moment. Moments. (laughs) Right? When you're faced with your own humanity and how far away you are from the image of Christ, that's tough. That is tough. And that could be, again, for, this is for not just for new people in Christ, but if you've been in this 30, 40 years, there's still parts of your character that are not like God. There's still part of you that's not like Christ. I see some head nods. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Right? You look in that mirror. You pick this up. Ah, man. There's still... Man, I'm still not there. Which is... That's a good thing. That, that should... That's, it can be disheartening, right? But it's a good thing because you realize you have more parts of you that need to transform and become like him. And so, but to do that, we have to spend time looking into the mirror of the word, looking at his image. What is his image? What is his likeness? What are we supposed to become like? And the longer we look, not only does, do we begin to see it, but it begins to imprint on us and begin to change us. And so when you're doer, a doer of the word, that's how you transform from being, just being you in your fallen state to becoming like him. And so we must become like him. His image is what we're striving for. Um, I, this has been talked about a couple of times recently, but this, the world's all, I think Brother Mike talked about it. The world's all about image. Social media is about image. It's image, image, image. What, what image are you portraying? And there's, we could talk about that for a while. I don't want to get into it too far. But the, image, the two images that we should be worried about the most are ours and his. Ours to lose, his to gain. Ours to put away, his to become more like. That's it. That's it. That's your pursuit. Going back to the beginning, we shall be like him. We are predestined to be conformed to his image. That's the focus. The rest of it's just noise. And so that happens in daily experiences by proper response to His Word and His Spirit, in obedience to His Word, in that response to the quickening of His Spirit. So let's keep going. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 says, Now may the God of peace Himself... Sanctify you completely. That word completely means perfect, complete in all respects. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, that word sanctify, I'll just read one part of the definition. It says to purify internally by renewing of the soul. So we are to be purified internally by the renewing of our soul completely, perfectly, 100%. But it's God himself that sanctifies us. You don't sanctify you. You don't fix you. You don't change you. If we could do that, we would have, and everybody in the world would be perfect. No one's choosing to be broken, hurt, and less than who they want to be. Nobody. Nobody. It might be, but it's because of all sorts of other reasons. The point is, God is the one who sanctifies us. God is the one who works on the inside of us and begins to purify us and make us new. So get this, this is so cool to me. So we have sanctification, we have holiness, right? Let's, let's kind of tie in another word that we're familiar with, and that is saint, This is, um, I think this is from Vine's expository dictionary. Um, It says, Since every believer is sanctified in Christ Jesus, a a common New, New Testament designation of all believers is saints, sanctified or holy ones. Thus, sainthood or sanctification is not an attainment, remember it's a process, it is the state into which God, in grace, calls sinful men, and in which they begin their course as Christians. 1 first Corinthians, first, or first Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, the verse, the, one of the verses that referenced, says, To the church of God, who is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. The word to be is in italics, which, which means it's not in the original, and it doesn't necessarily change too much here, but you could read it another way, which I will. I'm going to reread the verse without those words. It says, to the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called saints. We are called saints because we are sanctified in Christ, and we are His holy ones, set apart, right? That is who we are. Colossians, I know, again, a lot of scripture, I just wanted, I want you guys to hear the word. Colossians chapter 3, verse, verses 12 through 14, says this, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And I, I, won't, I If you read these verses, you, it starts out with us as the elect of God, the, the saints, the called-out ones, the separated ones holy and beloved, and begins to talk about some things, tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. That sounds a lot like the fruit of the Spirit to me. Right? If sanctification is working in our lives, if we are elect, holy, set apart, sanctified, these things should be happening and be part of your character. Those elements, those outward working of this process of sanctification, they're markers for you. How are you doing in your process? Do you have mercy? Are you kind? Do you have humility, meekness, long-suffering? Are you forgiving one another? Are you putting on love? Those are markers for you to know what's going on the inside of, in your process. How much of Christ is in you? How much of your character has been transformed to be like him? And these are just some of the elements that, some of the things that should be in your life through the process of sanctification. Quickly, uh, I'm going to wrap, kind of move on from the, the, the idea of sanctification and move on to some other things, but how are we sanctified? We already talked about it. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Psalms 119, 9, this is the Passion Translation, says, How can a young man stay pure? Only by living in the word of God and walking in its truth. Only by living in the word of God and walking in its truth. How can we be pure? How can we stay pure inwardly in our heart and who we are? How can we stay that way by His word? We are sanctified by His truth. So the next part's a little bit more kind of part of the process, if you will, like the, maybe the, call it the mechanics of the process, but um, I want to turn your attention to Romans, chapter 12, verse two. Again, you guys know this verse very well. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We will be conformed to an image. Just which one? Which one? Is it the world's image, or is it the image of Christ? you will be transformed and conformed to one image or another. You don't have a choice. You do, but not in that, in that respect. So the word conformed talks about conforming yourself to another's pattern. What pattern are you following? What, what, what things are you learning? What's, what's coming in to your mind that's teaching you and taking parts of who you are and changing those things? Because the word... If you let the word in, the implanted word that's able to save your souls into your mind, it will change the way you think in that area. Whatever you're learning, whatever you're learning about, if you intake and you let yourself be influenced by that information, it's going to change the way that you think if you let it. You can reject it and you can move on, but the more that you learn, it's going to change the way that you think. There's... um. Um I read a book or listened to a book um that is all about the brain and and how the brain works, how it's tied to the mind and it's tied to scripture. It was really, really fast. Again, how does it work, right? Um and the the way that your brain stores stuff is phenomenal. Like how our brains store information is amazing. Um and there's this, she, the author calls it the breeze through the trees, which is kind of a weird term, but when I saw the picture of like the brain, I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. It was about how, how our brain stores thoughts, and that it stores thoughts and memories, and, and when, when something um, comes through, like you're listening to something or you're in, somebody says something or input, um, it goes through what's ever in your brain and will trigger other things in, that have been stored there from long ago. And so that's why I, the easiest example is probably a song, right? You, you won't have heard a song for 30 years. I've been alive that long to hear songs. Maybe, okay, 15 for me, 20 for me. Um, it'll, it'll, something will come up or a, a tune or whatever and just boom, there it is. And I'm like singing every word. It's crazy. Like, what in the world? It's cool. I mean, let's be honest. It's kind of cool when you realize, like, man, that's still in there. I I remember that. Um, What you learn, what you memorize, learn, let influence, it stays in your brain. And it's stored there. That's just how God made us. And so what you store there will influence what comes to your mind and spirit when you walk through your life. So you can walk, I could walk through one environment and have one set of thoughts come up in my mind. And you could walk through the same environment, be triggered by the same stuff, and yet have a completely different set of thoughts come to your mind because of what's in here, what you put in there. It's, it, it, that breeze, and I think it's so cool that she used that term because I think about the Spirit of God, right? The breeze, the the Spirit of God can blow through our lives or or kind of come into our lives and and trigger things, thoughts, feelings, right? Um, Outside, you know, sounds, visual stuff, it stimulates our brain and brings memories back. But have you ever had the experience where something comes to your mind that like is so random, it's not what you're listening to, not what you're watching, not what you're hearing, but it just, it pops into your mind and you know that's God talking to me. Well, God's pulling out of, your brain, your mind, something that was put in there long ago, and he just, I can pull from that. I can blow through your life, through your mind, and pull out stuff that you stored there and use it when I need it. Isn't that cool? Paul, isn't that cool? It's cool to me. I don't know. It's cool. Because God made our brains that way. And so when you think about your brain and the mind are tied together, they really are. And so, you can't... When you, if you can understand some of how the brain works, you can understand how your mind works a little bit, too. And so... But your brain can literally rewire itself. It can literally rewire itself with the proper inputs and the proper information, and it can change shape and change circuits and all that stuff. It's so cool. So cool. How God made us. And so, our minds can literally be rewired. Our brains can be rewired. And... and you can go into those same environments ten years from now, um, five years from now, and, and have completely different set of thoughts, we, like we talked about. You can be different. You're, you're different. You're like, wow, I've been here before, but I'm very different. I can tell I'm different because I'm not struggling with those thoughts anymore. I'm not struggling with those emotions, because your thoughts and emotions are tied together. Your brain actually stores them together or connects them. So we, when you have thoughts and memories that come up, there's emotion attached to it. You guys ever had that experience? You remember something from 10 years ago and you can feel the emotion with it. This is how your brain stores it. And so, God but God can transform that. He can change it. He can rewire that so that it's different. The, the struggles you had before with your mind are no longer there anymore because he has transformed it. But it's his word. It's his spirit. It's that proper responses to the word and spirit that begin to change over time how you see things. And so... Kind of how it works, so I'm going to go back up, I guess, to the top of, of my note here and talk a little bit about what I feel like God has given me for the process. And it's, this is what the tough part is. Um, it kind of starts with identification or revelation of something that needs to change in your life. And I realize sometimes God gives, it, gives us a heads up, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he just kind of skips ahead to the next part. But sometimes God will show us this part of you needs to change. This part of your character, this part of your nature, this, you ever had things that just God brings to the surface in your mind and heart, and like, all, why is this all of a sudden, this relationship that I, have, I haven't had a problem with for five years, now God's like, here, it's right in front of my face, right? It's because he's saying, that part of you I need to work on. And I'm bringing it to your attention, I'm identifying it for you, I'm revealing it to you so that you can begin to let me work on that part of you. And it happens one area at a time. He can't change our entire being at once. He won't do it. You will not be baptized and then be like Jesus the next day. We all know that. He can't change everything at one time. So he has to... He knows us. He loves us. He knows what we can handle and what we can't. And so there are some things he... I, I, I need to deal with that, but I'm going to wait a year. They're not ready for that. But this thing they are ready for... Or this thing I need to work on now because three months from now they're going to be in a situation where I need them healed in this area. And if they're not healed in this area, I can't do what I need to do through them, so i got to work on that now. Because we're all stubborn. It takes time for us to change. <laughs> it, it does. And so sometimes God will like back it up, like six months. I need them here, so I'm going to start working on this area now. And so he identifies it. He'll reveal it to us through his word, his spirit. Proper responses, word and spirit, right? And then comes the hard part. Because, and I'm going to stick with the analogy of a house, just for safety's sake, because surgery gets. gets I don't like this stuff. When you think about a house, and you're renovating a house, that's the word what renewing me, renewing of your mind, it literally means renovation. Um, you at, part of the process is you identify what area of the house do I need to renovate. What room needs needs work, right? What, what bathroom needs remodeling? Pick that. Identify that. Then comes the hard part. If you've ever done a renovation pro- project, you probably know what's next. Removal. Destruction. Loss. Suffering, for the materials anyway. It's fun to destroy a, a room. Um, But God will begin to remove things from our life to make space for what He needs to put back. And that's the tough part. That's when the real work begins, because He will begin a process of suffering and loss and removal in your life to to pull out of you things that cannot stay, in your character, in your nature, in who you, in that inner man. They cannot stay there. They will destroy you, or they will prevent you from becoming the whole person that you need to be. So he has to remove them. And that's tough. Because he will, he will use all sorts of things in our life. The enemy, let him remove things. Sometimes he'll let us do it, if we're willing But oftentimes we're not willing to just let things go, so he has to remove them. And again, not because he's some uh, mean father who just likes to see us in pain, but he realizes, I need to put something there in this part of their character and this part of who they are, but it won't fit with what's in there now. And so he begins this process of, of suffering and loss and removal to make space for what he needs to put back. And then comes, you know, maybe the more enjoyable part is that replacement. Now that we have a loss, a void, we're willing to listen or we're willing to respond. He begins to say, okay, now that I've, you've let me remove that, now I'm going to begin to put back into you my nature in that area of your life. I'm going to put part of me in you in that area. So now that area can begin to look like me because what we create who we are that that can't stay because it's it's us it's 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 flesh it's sinful it's it's tainted that can't it's not pure we can't produce anything pure we cannot do it nothing we create nothing we build nothing we make it'll never be pure because we are not pure we cannot make anything pure but god can and so when we let him remove the parts of us that are impure put into us the parts of him that are pure, then you begin to see over time, this area now looks like Jesus. This area now looks like Jesus. OK? Now this area now looks like Jesus, and he begins this replacement process, but he doesn't necessarily stop there with just replacement, because sometimes he'll put parts of us himself in us, but they need to be developed. They need to grow. They need to mature, right? They need to grow into the full stature of Christ, the full maturity of His character. He may plant within us a seed of kindness, but we're not going to be wonderfully kind all the time just because He's now helped us, taken us through something that's softened our heart. He's put kindness or something like that in our heart. We're not going to be kind 100% of the time. But if we let that kindness that He's put in our heart that, that fruit of the Spirit begins to work and to mature and begin to develop, I'll use this term, the percentages will go up. You'll find yourself being kind more often, more often than not, than you used to. And then as you mature, as it begins to develop, you become more mature in that area, and it begins to grow or to be transformed. And then, eventually... This may not be, again, until that outward transformation and the inward transformation come together at the rapture in heaven, there's perfection. There's completion. He brings that part of us to completion, and he leaves it alone for now, right? That area of you is now where he needs it to be, and so now, all right, awesome, he's done. That was hard. Yeah, just wait for the next part. He's going to pick something else, <laughs> right? You're, next week's going to be something else is coming. Another struggle's coming. Another difficulty. Another, hey, now that we're done with that part, now let me start talking to you about this area of your life, right? We dealt with your attitude. Now we got to deal with your relationships, right? Or we got to deal with that pride that you've been struggling with. Or you got to deal with, you see what I'm saying? Like, it, he, he'll start working on something else, he'll identify it. He'll go through this process all over again. He'll identify it. Some loss, suffering, hurt, difficulty. He'll begin to replace it with something of him. He'll begin to develop it, perfect it, complete it, move on. And the more that happens, the years go by, the decades go by. If you allow that to work, you can Im- begin to imagine this image being created that was once this, but now pieces of it, parts of it, have been replaced over time. And now it begins to start looking like this one over here, which is Him. And that's the process of transformation. You're transforming. You're becoming like Him in every way. The problem with that is that it takes a lot of time. And it only, it only comes... By the Spirit of God and the Word of God. There's no other way for it to happen for us because we can't change ourselves, And we have to be transformed by His Spirit into His image. Um, and I want to I take you... get the punchline, I guess, and now we're going to come back a little bit to a little bit more of the process. And I want to kind of... Um, give you a few more scriptures on some of the things I just mentioned, because that's all great. You know, Kevin, you said, okay, identification, loss, replacement. What was the other one? Development, perfection. Great. Those are cool buzzwords, but what is, it? is, is there scripture for that? Um, and I, I want to take you to some scriptures that I think are just fascinating um, and really help me kind of see some of this process. So, I'm going to, I'll kind of for time's sake skip a couple of these, but go to, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 18. This is so cool. This is, this is so cool. Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. From glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Passion Translation, yes, it's, it's cool to use that, the Passion Translation these days. I actually really like it. Um, verse 18 says it this way. Uh, we can all draw close to Him with the veil from, removed from our faces. And with no veil we all become like mirrors. Who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Jameson, Jameson is how you say that? Jameson Fawcett and Brown commentary says this From glory to glory. From one degree of glory to another, as Moses' face caught a reflection of God's glory from being in His presence, so believers are changed into His image by beholding Him. We are changed into His image by beholding Him. Now, I think it's really interesting to me, this veil thing, because I don't know about you, I didn't... Go, I didn't get baptized with this piece of cloth over my face, <laughs> right? I didn't, what did he talk about? A veil being removed from our faces. Uh, and, and you kind of get a little bit of a hint. hint uh, so what he's talking about, we mentioned is Moses. And when Moses came down off the mountain from being with God and seeing his glory, his face was shining so brightly, he put a veil over his face for the sake of the people. And so he's he's alluding to that story and, and applying it to us because he's beginning to let us see how we are transformed. And and use the word transfigured in, in the Passion Translations referring back to um, it's it's the Greek word um, with the metamorphoo, metamorpho. The same word used for Jesus being transfigured on the mountain. And so Jesus was transfigured, transformed before their eyes, outwardly, right? Physically changed. And so the same idea, and the, it was so bright, the glory of God was shining out from him so brightly um, that they had to, I mean, it was, it was crazy. So it, tying Moses, tying Jesus on the mountain together, he's talking about this veil um, that's been removed from us who are in Christ. Um, and so if you look a little further in Corinthians, barely a chapter later, uh, 2 Corinthians 4.3, he kind of goes on. He says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the god of this age has blinded, darkened the mind who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves are our your bond servants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So we talked a little bit about this idea of revelation, identification. You could even use the term in this context, illumination. And it's so amazing to me because God is light. Right, the Bible says that God is light; in Him is no darkness at all. So, our gospel is veiled; it's veiled to those who are lost. And we, and I think it's in this. Maybe there's another verse that talks about it, but this veil over our minds. Everyone has a veil over their minds who has not received the Spirit of God, and they're blind. They can't see. They can't see clearly. And so the light that shines to all men cannot shine into their mind or heart because this veil is present, right? You ever get somebody who you're talking to um, and you're explaining things, you're trying to show them the word, teach them, and it's just like, right? Like, huh? You know, blank faces. Like, how do you not see that? Like, it's right there, right? It's so obvious. Well, you have the light. Of course it's obvious to you. They don't have the light. They can't see clearly. That light is not shining in their hearts to reveal this truth to them. And so you're presenting the word to them and they're like, I I don't know what you're talking about. They just don't have the light. The light cannot shine in their hearts. And so the Bible says that that veil is removed in Christ. When we come to God, when we're baptized and, and, and filled with his spirit, that veil is removed from our life. And the light that could not penetrate before now is shining in our hearts to give the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And that's that illumination, that's that revelation, this light that, that comes in and begins to show Gideon this, this light that's like, okay, all right, now you see that that's that's in your heart. You see that, that's in your heart. And the, the light begins to reveal things to us that are uncomfortable. That are difficult. Again, that's, it's showing things. It's that coat closet you haven't opened in two years. You open it, you turn the light on, and it's like, oh, my goodness. Right? That's, let's close that door. Let's close that again. Let's just turn the light off. Right? Let's be ignorant. Well, with God, you can't do that. You can, uh, by your will, you can turn off the things that he's showing you, but to your own detriment. And his, the light of his spirit shines in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, to reveal to us the areas that need to change. And it gives us the the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so when we, tying back to this in the verse we just talked about, when when that light, the veil is removed, right, the light shines in our hearts and begins to reveal, and, and the darkness in our hearts begins to be illuminated, and more and more... There's more light that shines in our hearts, and we allow God. We open up the closet doors. We let him into the rooms, right? House analogy, here we are, right? We let him transform us, renew, renovate, and become more like him. Well, that light inside of us begins to grow and get brighter and brighter and brighter. And we go from one glory to another glory. Going back to 2 Corinthians 3, he says, we, we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And so as you let his light reveal, transform, work on you, push the darkness out of your life, it gets brighter and brighter and brighter. And just as Moses' face began to shine because of the glory of God, our face, our countenance, our, the outward working of his spirit becomes brighter in our lives and brighter And brighter and people begin to see it and they begin to realize they have the glory of God within them they are that holiness is working that purification is working that sanctification that 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 is working in our lives and it will be manifested outwardly through what we say what we do you can go back to that list tender mercies loving kindness all of those things the fruit of the Spirit begins to come out of us because the process of transformation is at work in our lives and that light begins to shine out of our lives, right? Go back to what I said earlier at the beginning, talking about the personal side, not talking about the kingdom as much, but think about the implications of that for the kingdom of God and what you, you're living your life, what that means for those around you, those that are in darkness, right? Jesus Christ was the light that came into the world. Now we are the light of the world, the Bible says, that we shine to all men. You are the one that's going to reflect his glory in the earth today. You are the one. But you cannot reflect his glory if you don't let this process work in your life. You cannot you won't have the space for it. You won't that light will not be able to grow and mature and be complete in you because you're you're keeping parts of yourself in you. You're not letting your character be changed. You're not letting that inner man be transformed. And so, therefore, you cannot reflect his glory. He's not going to shine off of an image that's not his. He's not going to shine out of an image that's not his. It's not going to do it. He's not going to magnify your image. It's idolatry. He won't do it. And so, he will only glorify his image and reflect his image. His image is what matters. Our image is not. And the more that we become like Him, we are able to become ambassadors for Christ. We are able to become His representatives because we accurately reflect who He is to one another. We become accurate representations, accurate the image, His image. Jesus Christ was the express image of the invisible person. He was the physical image of God. That same image has to be imprinted on our own lives by the process of transformation, so that as we grow in God, as we mature in God, when people look at us, they see him. Period. When people look at us, they see him. That is the goal. When he appears, we shall be like him. We are predestined to be conformed to his image after his likeness. And that's an inward thing. Again, you're stuck with, you're stuck with your body, your physical body here. You are, I'm sorry to tell you. You are, but you're not stuck with the inward man being the, the way that it, that, that it is. Um, and it, you jump over to, where are we going? Lots of verses here. We talked about Romans 12.2. I'm actually going to skip that. We're going to, go, you're going to point out 2 Corinthians 4.16. It says, Paul says again, same chapter, 2 Corinthians 4. Here we are, same chapter. It says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Your outward man is decaying, perishing, dying, will one day go in the ground. But your inward man is renewed every single day as you have proper responses to the Word and the Spirit. You allow His light to transform you and you begin to, as the Greek word for renew says, to cause to grow up. You grow up, you mature, you develop. As you're in this transformation, this light shining into your heart, the revealing of what you need to change, the loss that comes, the replacement of his his image, the the development of those things, and the perfection, it's that inward man renewed, growing up, maturing every single day. You're responding to his word. You're obeying his, his direction. You're beginning to let this implanted word save your soul every single day. The other part of that meaning of that word says to be changed to be changed into a new kind of life as opposed to the former corrupt state life and life more abundantly is what we can have when we allow this process in our inward man to work and that process includes loss and replacement and I'll prove it to you Well, I'm going to give you one verse to prove it to you. You can go study this a little bit. It's one example of that, Ezekiel 11. I'm almost done. I think we're getting close to the end of what I feel like I want to to share. But the Bible says, referring to this lost stuff, the suffering stuff, Ezekiel, in a couple places, mentions the heart, the heart of flesh and the, the heart of stone. Ezekiel 11:19 through 20 says, "Then I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them, and take the stony heart out of their flesh, and give them a heart of flesh." That why why does he need to do that? Verse 20, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them, and they shall be my people and I will be their God. Ezekiel thirty six twenty six says something very similar. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. He's going to remove the heart of stone, the unimpressionable, unchangeable, rock-hard, stubborn nonsense heart that we have, <laughs> and He's going to give us a heart of flesh, a flat heart that's soft, that can be shaped, that can be developed, that He can work on. But it takes a submission to the process for that to take place, and I think the hard part for us is a couple of things, but I, I'll just speak for maybe one of the hard parts for me, is really, is that loss piece of the process, that, that suffering piece. And the Lord won't let me get away from the subject, so if you've been in small or, or Oikos, you've heard this a little bit. Um, you've been talking to me one-on-one, you've probably heard this a little bit. This loss thing is tough. And it's probably the part of the process we misunderstand the most, and struggle with the most, because we don't understand the purpose behind it. Or we blame ourselves. We assume there's something wrong with us. We 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 focus on our image. We focus on on this, and and frankly, we take more blame than we should sometimes um, for stuff. I know that sounds. You may be like an outlet for um, excuse. But Paul said, and I, I've kind of wrestled with this a little bit. I think trying to find answers when I do things I know I'm not supposed to. Like, I know I don't want to do, and yet I do it, right, like Paul said. He said something really interesting, and, and, and maybe you've thought about this too. He said, it's not I that do it. I, it's not me that's doing it. It's, it's the sin in me. And I'm like, that sounds like such an excuse. (laughs) Right? Like, Paul, come on, man. Really? What do you mean it's the sin? Like, that, that sounds, come on now. It's you. You did it. Like, take ownership, right? Right? Take ownership. You did it. Don't pass it off on somebody else. Don't make excuses. Right? That's how I think. You know, personal responsibility. We all should have it. Own your stuff. Right. Well, Paul, it's interesting to me that he he makes a distinction in that way, um, but if you if you if you're like me, you've probably resonated with that distinction too. You just don't know how to reconcile it because I'll do things. I'm like, I don't want to do that. That is not me. Like, that's not who I am. That's not who God is in me. That's not the inner man. Because he says, um, see my note. Somewhere. Oh, okay. I think it is. Yeah, I'll read this. This this is exactly what I was looking for. Romans 7, he says, 22, he says, I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, the inner man, the one that's renewed day by day, the one that you're letting God transform, the one that is his spirit, the one that's going to be like him one day, that inner man, who you really are. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. And I love this. This is this is so, Oh wretched man that I am I've said that a few times. Oh wretched man that I am. Good grief. Who will deliver me from this body of death? <laughs> Set me free, Lord. <laughs> Come on, help me out. I can't. This the sin thing is tough. He said I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. He says, so then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Okay. I don't have the verse in my notes where he talks about sin does it in me, but there's something, you've got to give yourself a little credit in that who you really are, it's probably more like God than you think, especially if you're allowing this process to work. And the condemnation that we struggle with because we think that we are just, we sin and we're like, I'm the basest of human beings. And, and okay, that's good, good. Go find a place of repentance. Let it drive you there. But don't stay there. Because if you live in that place of, I'm so bad, I'm so wrong, I'm so this, you'll live in bondage. Captivity. You'll live in captivity, and you'll never walk in the newness of life after the inner man like you're supposed to. Because you will always assume, you'll, it's like, you ever play a video game? I'm trying to think of a good example where you like, you're climbing to the top, you're go, 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 you know, getting up, and all of a sudden you, you know, you miss a step or whatever, and you fall all the way back down the beginning. You're like, ah, I gotta start and you do it again a couple times, and all the way, you fall all the way back down. That's how we, I feel sometimes when I, when I miss, make a mistake. I'm all the way up here in the third heaven with Paul, and then I sin, and now I've got to start back at level one. Um, I heard Brother Pastor Joel Wright make this, teach this one time, and I thought this was so good. He said, oftentimes, we'll be walking along, and you know we'll be on this path, and we'll get off you know, and, and sin. We'll get over here, right? If I'm going that direction, I'm over here. I've, I've, you know, we've all made the wrong turn, right? He said, oftentimes we feel like we've got to turn around, walk all the way back over here, get reset, and then I can keep going, right? I mean, anybody else feel that way? you got to, like, retrace your steps. you got to, like, make up for the mistake you just made and go back and, like, do penance for three days, and, you know, you got to get back to where you were. He said, that's not how that works. That's not how repentance works. That's not how the blood works. You, you get off. You, you're going, you know, if, if we shall be like him, right? Image, God, that direction. This is not. And we realize where we're going. We stop. We course correct. God just goes, whoosh, wipes it away. And now I just start walking from here. Back the right direction. I, there's no retracing. There's no, I have to go back here and, and start back over here, and now... I No, that's not how the blood works. That's not how repentance works. That's not how this, this works. You repent, you get forgiven, you course-correct, and you move on. But how hard is that day-to-day day when our minds are so consumed with this idea, again, from what source is that coming from, that we have to pay penance, we have to do all this stuff, that the world... Is that way? You got to make up for what you've done. No, you don't. Good luck with that. You'll be you'll be a hamster running a wheel the rest of your life. You'll never get anywhere, ever. You'll try for a while, and you think, "Oh, I'm making some progress." And nope, you're not. You're 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 right back where you started because you're you're doing that. You're trying to. Oh, I messed up. Now I got to go back. And then you're gonna start. Oh, here we go again. Oh, I messed up. I got to go back. Like this is what we do. And then we're like two steps up. God's like, stop. Stop. I I forgave you up there. Why? No, go that way. Come to me. Come to me. That's his invitation. Come to me. Not go back to where you were. Come to me. And if you can walk away, maybe with nothing else, maybe some, walk away with a few more things than this. You know, there's a lot talked about here, but if you go away with nothing else, have that picture in your mind the next time you make a mistake. The next time you fail, the next time you make a wrong choice, a bad choice, a boneheaded mistake, probably tomorrow. Repent. Understand there is an inner man that you have that is after God, that is pursuing God, that wants God, that serves the law of God. Believe that. Believe that. And walk in that identity. That's who you are. You're a new creature in Christ. You you are the inner man that desires the heart of God. That's who you are. That's your identity. That's what you walk in. Your your identity is not the fleshly, sinful nature that you have to live in, this house that you have to live in. This house, God, God buys this house. He purchases you. He, don't, he does not start on the outside. The outside's for heaven. He'll deliver you from that house, right? Oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me from the body of death? Paul, it's not happening until you die. Not going to happen. We won't be delivered from that. We will be eventually. But in the meantime, you have to understand there's an inner man, there's an outer man. There is these desires and this desire. And you, we way too often identify with this outer sinful man and struggle with, that's who I am. I'm just going to accept, accept who I am. That's not who you are. That's not who God made you to be. You are the person that is after God's heart, that is pursuing God, that has spent hours in prayer and hours in the Word and years at church and years connecting and loving. Like, that's who you are. You're not this person, This the identity of this person that made bad choices for a couple of days in a row, and now you're just at level one again. That's not who you are understand you have submitted to this process of transformation. There are parts of you that are like God. There are parts of you that have been transformed. There are parts of you that, that look like Him. And so that's what I mean when I say give yourself some more credit in that there's more of you like God than you, than you, than you see because you, you, you get wrapped up in your mistakes. I get wrapped up in my mistakes. And I have to remind myself, I have to go back to this and say, you know what, I'm with you, Paul. Like, I do delight in the law of God after my inward man. When I wake up in the morning, a lot of days, I want to do what God wants for that day. Anybody else with me? Like, you wake up like, I really want to do the will of God. By noon, you haven't done the will of God in everything. But maybe it's just in those areas that haven't been transformed yet. Maybe it's just those parts of your life that God's still working on that he knows, ah, I haven't perfected that yet. And let the process work. You're going to struggle in some of these areas for now until God works this out in you. You're going to struggle. If you struggle in relationships and dealing with relationships and God has not yet helped you deal with that and heal you from it, you're going to struggle with relationships until he's ready to work through that with you. And that's okay. That's okay. If you struggle with pride because of some past stuff and God has not really challenged you on that or really began to take you through this process in that area, understand it, repent when you sin, but don't beat yourself up because you haven't changed that area of your life yet. It's not on you. Your job is to properly respond to the Word and Spirit every day. And whatever God is dealing with you about that day, that week, that month, let the process work. Let him worry about the other stuff. He'll pro- he's will he got it teed up, I promise. <laughs> he's got some suffering and loss ahead for you in that area, I promise you. Don't worry about it. He's got it. But in his timing, because he loves us, he wants to bring us through a process that we can handle in a... In the handling, I mean he knows that we'll submit to it and let him work in that way, at that time, in that capacity. Because there are sometimes you're not ready to deal with your relationship issues. You're not ready. He knows that. He's going to work on that pride or he's going to work on that, uh, that uh, shame that you struggle with. He'll work on that for now. He'll just come back to the other stuff. But don't beat yourself up because you're not like Him in every area of your life. Because when He is rebe- revealed, when He appears, we will be like Him. Until then, we will only partially be like Him. Because we see through a glass darkly, like it's Paul that said that. We see Him vaguely. We see Him in pieces and parts. We don't have the full revelation yet. But when he appears, we will see him as he is, and then that process will be complete. I want to read something to you, and I'm going to end with this. Um, it's a little wordy, but I think it summarizes some of this this, this idea of sanctification so well um, that I'm going to I'm going to attempt it. I, I know reading sometimes I'll, I'll I'll try to be like weird pitches so you don't fall asleep, but. Right? I'll just like wake you up. I'm kidding. I won't do that. Um, this is from um, from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening Devotional. If you ever read it, it's really really good. I don't know if he wrote this stuff every day. If he did, good grief! Like, how do you get that much revelation every day, like morning and night? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe someone compiled it later. Like, I don't know. There's no way he had this revelation flowing all the time. I mean, maybe he did. Anyways, it's a lot. So, and we're reading it. You know, however many decades later, as anyway, it's kind of funny all right he's talking about john seventeen seventeen where it says, "Sanctify them through thy truth." He says, sanctification begins in regeneration, the spirit of God infuses into man that new living principle by which he becomes a new creature in christ right that it's infused, the, the nature, that seed that Pastor talks about, right? That 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 seed that can't be changed. It's it's there, it's implanted. This work, which begins in the new birth, is carried on in two ways. Mortification, whereby the lusts of the flesh are subdued and kept under, and vivification, was the last time you used that in a sentence, by which the life which God has put within us, is made to be a well of water springing up unto eternal life. This is carried on every day by what is called perseverance, by which the Christian is preserved and continued in a gracious state and is made to abound in good works under the praise and glory of God and culminates or comes to perfection in glory when the soul, being thoroughly purged, sounds so poetic, right? Thoroughly purged. It's a painful process. When the soul being thoroughly purged is called up to dwell with holy beings at the right hand of the majesty on high. But while the Spirit of God is thus the the author of sanctification, yet there is a visible agency employed which must not be forgotten. Sanctify them, said Jesus, through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The passages, passages of Scripture which prove that the instrument of our sanctification is the Word of God are very many. Amen. The Spirit of God brings to our minds the precepts and doctrines of truth and applies them with power. So not only, not only do we, God, does God bring those, that Word to the surface of our minds, He empowers us to obey it. The Old Testament, the Jews knew the word. They memorized it. They had it down. They did not have the power to obey it and to live it out to its fullness. So not only does the Spirit of God bring to our minds the precepts and doctrines of truth, he applies them with power and empowers us to do them. These are heard in the ear and being received in the heart. They work in us to will and to do of God's good pleasure. The truth is the sanctifier. And if we do not hear or read the truth, we shall not grow in sanctification. We only progress in sound living as we progress in sound understanding. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Do not say of any error, it is a mere matter of opinion. No man indulges in error of judgment without sooner or later tolerating an error in practice. Hold fast the truth, for by so holding the truth shall you be sanctified by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, the Word of God, our proper responses every day to those two things, understanding the process of sanctification and transformation at work will allow you to have hope When he appears, I will be like him. Jesus, we love you tonight. We thank you for your word. Thank you for truth the truth that sanctifies us, the truth that teaches us who you are and reveals to us who we are. And God, when we're faced with that gap, it's very tough to realize how far we are from You and how far we are from being like You. But Father, I pray tonight that hope, fresh hope, would be implanted in the hearts and minds of Your people. That they would see and understand that this is a process by which we become like You. And it will not be complete until, until You come or until we pass from this life. But God, we can have hope that every day that inward man, that man within us that desires you, that, that longs for you. God, that, that identity that we need to embrace is who we really are because that's who you've made us to be. That man desires to be more like you every single day. And God, help us to mortify the deeds of our flesh, to let ourselves die out, to let the loss that you've placed in our lives take root and work in us. And let us not resist Try to escape or get out of the process too soon. Because if we do, God, all we're left with is a void. If we get out of the process after loss, all we've got is a void. We don't have you, we don't become more like you, and we don't grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. God, I pray tonight that you would let revelation sink in. God, and let your word... Go with your people tonight and begin to speak to them over the next few days about your truth and let this process work in them. I pray, God, that grace and peace would be upon them tonight. I thank you for your presence here tonight. I thank you for your word. Father, we love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. See you on Sunday. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.